Hello, listeners, and welcome to Uber Cinco, the podcast where we deep dive top fives. I'm Nathan Henenfent, your host for today's festivities, and in the den today is Brian Ernst versus Mitch Brinkman. Today, our contestants will reveal and defend their top five archetypes you want to interact with at a wedding. Also, uh, Nathan, can I just jump in here just for one second? Yes. To, um, I just want to say caveat here. I approached my list of like, sure, these might not be the best people, but these are the people where like the like next week when you're when you're standing over by Jim's desk, you're like, oh, Jim, do I have a story for you, pal? You know. So that's just I, I just want to put that out there first. So um, okay, just so All I right. don't sound like a, a devil. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Br- Brian. Brian, was that similar to to your approach? Uh, yeah, the people who I want to see that are going to make it a, a, an, an interesting wedding, a memorable wedding. These are the folks that uh, they want to only run into at a, mainly a non family wedding. Right. Just people who you can paste into the album of your memory. You can always go back and revisit them, but uh, they stay in safely within the confines of that VFW. Absolutely. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, well, if this is your first time in the Uber Cinco Den, let's wake you up out of hibernation with a quick rundown of the rules. Each player in the den has spent time with today's topic, arranging their top five answers in order of importance. Those answers have been submitted to the host who will moderate the game, awarding points to the player with the most poignant answer. Starting with their number five choice, we'll move up the ranks until we reach each of their top answers. But if both contestants happen to have the same answer on their list, well, we have an Uber Stereo. You will hear the official Uber Cinco siren, and both players must reveal their answer and what number they ranked their submission. An Uber Staredown is all or nothing, with one player earning three points. After all answers have been read, the host will reveal the final score. All right, and as the host, I am entitled to put in place a house rule. Uh, Should either contestant violate the house rule, they will be severely penalized, so pay close attention, boys. And as always, I'm implementing the golden rule from the old Henenfent family farmhouse. Yes, I remember standing with my dear old granddad at the edge of the North 40 on a moonlit summer's eve in the dead of January. Thousands of fireflies rising out over the vast soybean fields in a luminous ballet. The great horned owl perched in the crabapple tree, hooting his mournful cry to signal the end of another day. The screech of a polecat with his tail caught in the drainage ditch, and a gentle breeze brushing my peak, innocent cheeks. Granddad would gaze up pensively at Orion's belt, amid a weary sigh, and say, Nathan, my boy, I'm a fair man and a just man, and even a fragrant man. But as long as you live under this roof, you must abide these words. If you step into the hawk house and have to hold your nose, spread that shit in the garden where the sweet corn grows. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And as a reminder, don't forget to stick with us till the end of the show where I, Nathan Henenfent, will give you my fast five send-off while I will rattle off the definitive list of the top five tables. Tables? Tables. Whoa. There's so yeah. many choices. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's get started. Uh, we're going to do the top five archetypes you want to interact with at a wedding. Number five, Mitch Brinkman, you are up. Yeah. So, okay. Um, also, I just want to get off my chest off the top here. I've been to a lot of weddings. I have a, between 45 and 60 cousins. I'm not sure on the exact number anymore. But so I have many cousins who have married young Um and so it, at one point it was like two to a summer at least. So, and also I've been to friends weddings. So there are, there are a lot of, um, a lot of experiences to draw from. Uh, but, uh, the first one I'm going to, uh, mention though, is the, the younger cousin who grew up to be cool. And, um, this one is that, that younger cousin who most of your memories are of them as like seven or eight. They're kind of annoying, but then you're at a wedding, you go outside for some air uh, they're smoking with their partner and you go up and you're like, Hey, can I bum a cig? You're talking. Turns out their partner also smokes weed and they're cool. And they like get your vibe. <laughs> and sure enough, right away, everyone's like, we should visit each other in our respective cities. Let's hang out. You're so excited. Cause you're like this cousin is cool now. And then you say, let me go get you guys some drinks. So you go back inside, you get their favorite drinks. You come back out. And poof, they're gone into the night sky like a ripe bud left in a bowl at a cheap tapestry convention. And then you find out this cousin is now cooler than you are. 
Oh, that's a tragic ending. <laughs> I didn't know we were going to go. I thought I thought this was going to be an uplifting story. <laughs> uh, well, my, my first question here is, what is the, the standard age gap for this dynamic to happen? How much younger is the younger cousin? Well, I think when you start forming cousin memories, you're like 12 or 13, I think, when things really start to cement. So I would I would prefer a six to eight year gap between cousins here. So and of course, at this point in time, when they're at this wedding and uh, and they leave you in the lurch, they're like 18 or 19. So you have to go get the drinks. So you're like, oh, I'm being the cooler, older cousin. So we're um, we're we're condoning uh, serving minors at uh, at the scenario. Well, uh, as my mom used to say in Stearns County, Minnesota, if you can see over the bar you get whatever you want. So um, <laughs> that's, that is not, that's a true story. Uh, and so in that case, I'm also just out of college, you know, feeling good. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm becoming an adult. I'm growing up and want to connect with my cousins that I don't see enough. So, and sometimes, sometimes they can trick you. Sometimes they can reel you in and then leave you with an empty bag. So, well, one one final question here as, mm-hmm. as a veteran of so many weddings, mm-hmm. which you are, mm-hmm. have have you ever not been the older? Have you ever been the younger cousin who became cool? I I am too much of a of a people pleaser when it comes to seeing my cousins because I don't see them enough. So I have a an underlying um, wellspring of guilt that that never lets me like disengage when a conversation when I need to, you know, I always stay too long. I'm always, if they ask me to hang out, I'll hang out. Um, and so I, I like to, I like to suck up to my older cousins though when I was younger and a couple of them did, you know, get me a couple beers here and there at the weddings. But again, like I said, you can see over the counter, you get whatever you want in Stearns County. So that, that rarely was an issue. Um, long story short, no, I, I never felt like the cool younger cousin. So, well, I, I, I gave you a softball over the middle of the plate there to say, how cool you are and tell a self-aggrandizing story and you didn't take the bait. So, uh, <laughs> so on, on that basis, uh, I'm going to go ahead and mark you down for a, uh, two points on, on that round, two points, two points. Oh my yep. gosh. That's, that, that's a pretty good score. Wow. Well, well, <laughs> yep. well Hey Brian, I don't know what your five is, but match that mother trucker. Jeez. All right. So, uh, yeah, Br- Brian, uh, please name your number five. So unlike Mitch, I am on the opposite end of the spectrum. I can I don't even need one hand to count how many cousins I have because I have none. No first cousins whatsoever. So all of my experiences are usually from friend weddings. I've only been to two family weddings my entire life. So my number five is the over-bubbly mother of the bride. This is the one that you... you, you... Here we go. We're we're in the den, right? That's my bear growl. That's why I got the paw for you right there. Uh, Oh, yeah. Mitch, I believe you had a, what was it? Your number two was a similarly worded idea. Why don't you read your number two for us? Sure. Yeah. My number two is um, the parent, in this case, the mother of the bride or groom that has cultivated the reputation of being a good time. All right, Brian, as it is your turn, why don't you go first while we duke this out? Sounds good. So mine is based off of an actual experience I had where I was at the wedding of someone who had hired me in the past. So this was a friend that I made at work, never met the mother before, got to the wedding. And after the whole line procession was done, I was like, I'm going to introduce myself, do the nice thing, do the gentlemanly thing. And I went up and I was like, just want to introduce myself. Thank you, blah, blah, blah. She grabbed both my hands and she said, who are you? Tell me everything. And just looked me dead in my eyes. And I was like, you're into it. You know what you want. <laughs> I'm Brian. Your daughter hired me. This is what she's like. I have heard everything about you. Thank you for coming today. Blah, blah, blah. And then my favorite part about this is usually look at the other spouse. And they're usually the exact opposite of this personality. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that's one of my favorite things. And then um, there's also a part of you that know they will probably forget everything that you've told them instantly. <laughs> Yeah. They're either going to be hardcore, remember it, or they're going to forget it. But either way, it makes for a good time later on in the reception. Yeah, I, 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 imagine- I like the, um, the the little detail there of, uh, oh, I've heard everything about you, which they say after you've just told them everything about exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's Midwestern parents. You can't really, uh, they got they kind of got to duke it out from both sides. Yeah. It, it, it like, does that make you feel worse or, or good when someone's like, 
who are you? And you tell them, and then they're like, oh, I know everything about you. And you're like, mm, do you? Because you don't know what my face looks like. So I don't know. There is something rare, like as a human being, being able to see all the neurons fire as all the dots are connecting instantaneously before you. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty entertaining. So it's very true. My now this archetype for me, normally again, more often than not a small town wedding, but this parent will go up to the open bar and then shout out next round is on me and turn around and do the like finger around in a circular motion as if they're opening their wallet to buy everyone shots when it's all free From the anyway. open bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and inevitably people know who they are. So they're like, Oh, big Gus is buying shots. And you're like, no, he's not. No, he's just ordering the shots. The bartender's doing all the work. Um, and he's getting all the glory. Um, uh, but my favorite, uh, big personality, uh, number one parent, like over, you know, overshadows their child very easily. The mother of a man that my cousin married, uh, she got up on the DJ stand, stopped the music like an hour and a half into dancing. So this is things have gotten going, you know, like they're starting to progress from like the 60s up to the 70s at this point in the playlist. She stops the music, gets on the mic and says, I, I, I know everyone has been waiting for this the whole night. And I just want to tell you that, yes, I came through. And like three quarters of the room starts like, yeah, just cheering. And me and other people who are not of the know are looking around like, what, 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 what did you come through with? Like, is there about to be a big haul of what drugs? Like what's going on? I mean, obviously not that. Cause like they don't do those kind of drugs, um, except for meth, um, in this area of this country. <laughs> but, um, and, and then she says, well, come on up and get them boys and girls. And they, they rush the stage like it's uh, a Rage Against the Machine at Lollapalooza in 2005. And she opens up these giant Tupperware containers, things big enough you could like put two babies side by side in, like that big of a container. And this has got four layers of multicolored jello shots. <laughs> and this mother was famous for making her delicious homemade jello shot recipe for her son and all of his high school friends. Um, and she was the hit of the wedding. I don't, I don't remember anything except for her. Um, I remember her dress. It was yellow. Um, and I remember it, it, she looked comfortable in it. So I'm guessing she'd been to many weddings. She probably invited, was an honored guest at many occasions. Um, and, and her jello shots were incredible. And I had like four or five of them. So <laughs> I, I was happy that she brought, the, the 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 children's coffins full of full of uh, Jello booze. So um, I remember my first yeah. Jello shot experience. I cut my hand squeezing the plastic too hard. <laughs> <laughs> so your memories of Jello shots are a lot better than mine. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, for um, so for for Brian uh, with that uh, insight to uh, the the firing of the neurons, seeing somebody put together this story in their head of who you are, I'm going to award you for this round two points. Yes. And uh, Mitch, for uh, this just uh, very beautifully illustrated uh, and very familiar story about uh, the mom with the jello shots, I'm going to give you the maximum three points. Holy cow. Ding dong dang. That's a lot of points. Got some Thank catching you very up much. to do. Well, now here, Brian, I, I, there's a reason why I put that archetype high on the list because if you have one of those at a wedding, that is fuel. I mean, that is like that is dumping a whole a whole jar of uh, of, of of grandpa's good good on a on a barrel fire. That thing's gonna roar. How come you didn't have it higher? It's true. There may, there may be a flaw in the method of my of my building my five to one pyramid here. Not putting the strongest one there. I'm not sure why I chose it so late, but I think I got a couple of here that might uh, might change your tune a bit. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right, well, uh, let's move on to Brian's number four then. Brian, hit us with number four. For number four, I have The Fun Russian. <laughs> so this is that that distant cousin that's the life of the party. You can, in, like we were talking before, you can insert any ethnicity for Russian, but this is the person that usually has an, brings an accent to the wedding that is not normal for a Midwestern wedding. So immediately everyone's like, this is intriguing. Who is this person? Then they also are introducing you to new drinks. And if they are actually the fun Russian, they know everything that could be possibly mixed with vodka and which vodka is the best. You need to know that. And then uh, 
they also kind of take the pressure off being the life of the party. There's someone who's bigger, better, cooler, that's actually giving you fuel to have a good time as opposed to that. Plus, they're a great dancer. They're doing that knee thing on the floor that I can't do because I, I got catcher's knees. So I can't do that. And <laughs> so imagine having somebody like that thrown into the mix of a bunch of other boring white people. It's going to be nice to have that in the mix. I think it's it's something uh, especially important to remember that weddings in the Midwest, it, they could be from Russia. They could be from um, uh, South Africa or they could be from Alabama, but all of them seem very exotic. So, um. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a point of having somebody there. They again, I like, I think the big point there is taking the pressure off of you because there's, I think all of us in some respect have, we bring a little bit of entertainment to some of our other family members. They like, hearing whatever we're up to. We, we make, we try and make funny movies. We try and do this other stuff. And it's just like, they kind of want to hear, all right, what anecdotes do these guys got? And to have mm -hmm. somebody who's just completely out of left field, they're throwing it. It's kind of like, no, don't talk to me. Talk to them. They're the ones that are going to give you the good stuff. <laughs> Would you say that with this pressure taken off, you inevitably rise higher than you would normally at a wedding? The tie gets loosened faster. More buttons okay. come down and then the sleeves go up because usually I'm going I'm to be a sweaty mess an hour in dancing anyway. Sure. Might as well have that start earlier. All right. Sure. So you've, you've, you've found the man who essentially is going to make your job easier. Yes. A facilitator, if you will. Yes. And especially okay. if they get more drunk than I do, which they probably, they probably, to be honest, they could probably hold their liquor better than anybody at the party. But either way, they're going to be the entertainment factor that everybody needs. Interesting. Interesting. Plus they get so, to leave. So they get to leave. They don't, they don't have to stay. They're, they're going home. Yeah. So they're there to really amp the level of the party because they don't have to stay with the family members. They get to be like, I'm catching a plane. That's true. You, the, 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 uh, you only live for tonight because tonight is all we have, uh, which I think is a pop song that's done, been done 45 times in the past year. So, <laughs> um. All right. Well, uh, Brian, I think for, uh, for pointing out the fact that uh, it's, it's, really important to to get somebody who's uh who's going to take the pressure off of you and who's going to bring out the best in you without having to you know exert yourself and, and stress out and you can just enjoy yourself i'm going to award you two points for this round i'll take it i'll take it all right mitch that is over to you for your number four yeah so my number four is i call him the caveman groom and this groom is someone who probably shouldn't be getting married uh, and the social uh, constructs or constraints of a marriage and his uh, partner are the only things that are keeping him from the uh, dark precipice of a true caveman lifestyle. Um, and that guilt that lies within those social constraints are the only things that um, that are keeping him uh, wearing full sleeves every single day, um, if you know what I mean. And this guy, you see him two hours past drunk at the wedding. He, his cheeks are fiery red. And he's just like, he's just one of those guys. He's got nothing to lose. He's like a bully in high school, you know, home sucks. So he's here at school and he wants to make someone's life a living hell. And he's ready to call someone a queer. And you're just like, oh, <laughs> God, just go away, please. Just leave us alone. Just drink your beers alone in the corner, please. We're all trying to have a good time. So that's the and caveman it, groom. And I've been to three weddings like that where you'd like to tell your female cousin or friend, honey, it's time to change out of your nice um, pumps, you know, your wedding shoes, put on the best running shoes that Brooks uh, athletic brand has to offer and run the other way as quickly as possible. <laughs> so of the, of the three weddings you've been to that feature the, the caveman groom, what's mm -hmm. the, what's the success ratio? Have we, have there been, uh, are there caveman divorces? happening out there one of them uh they're having trouble uh there's the, the, it's been on the rocks but they continue to have children so i think that will be the glue that binds them together till um till death uh one of them uh they they got divorced uh not long after having triplets um after having a, a first child so four kids and then within months he was like Sayonara, my poker nights fueled by kegs of bush light are more important than this family. <laughs> I wish I, 
I wish I was joking. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah. Uh, and then the third, uh, they're muddling through. Yeah. I, I remember being at, at a certain weddings. I've, I've, I hadn't thought of this label before, but I have seen this phenomenon. I, re- I remember a number of weddings where the first time I saw it, I've looked for it at every other one since at particularly Midwestern weddings where when they, you know, the, they introduce the wedding party and everybody walks in and it's like the, the groomsmen start to give you, you start to get a sense of, of if the caveman is on the way. Oh yeah. And then it's when they, they walk out for the, you know, Pictures are being taken. Everybody is there. This is a moment that will be captured in time forever. And they couldn't put their Miller light down for <laughs> 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yep. At, at this particular wedding, uh, you could only drink Coors Light. That was literally the only beer the caveman groom would allow at his wedding. You could not get any anything else. And that was that was a that was a uh, that was a make or break. That was a deal breaker for him. So. So, um, Mitch, what is, what's the appeal? So there has to be an appeal. These these women, they find the caveman groom, they go all the way to the altar, and then go through with it, make it to the reception. What? How did they? Did the, did the, did he? Uh, you know, club a, a lion out and <laughs> carry it over his shoulder back to the cave? I think I I think uh, n- near to that only they they throw the woman over their shoulder, which which it, you know in the in a very base you know, sort of lizard brained way. They're like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I can get tossed around, you know, I'm, he, I'm nice and light. He can, you know, he can, he can protect me. I think that's what it is. Um, that and, and limited choice, perhaps maybe just geographically, there was just not a lot and he had the best head of hair and he's the tallest, you know, let's, let's not discount height. So, so um, perhaps there's not as many caveman, uh, grooms in, in places like, uh, Milan or Venice or Paris is, is what you're telling me. I would like to think that there are cavemen grooms there, but they are um, dressed up in in a bit more paint. You know, like they have uh, some nicer fabrics on. Uh, but 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 deep down, they're there. Like it's just you know, it's not as close to that to that uh, to that cliff where you fall off into into just you know id living. So sure. Well, with a few a few gentle nudges in the right direction, any one of us would be a caveman in, in no time. <laughs> and for uh, and for bringing for bringing that depressing thought to my attention, I can't award you the full three points, but I'll give you two points for that. Right? Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, and that uh, means we're going to move on to number three. And uh, let's see, number three, Mitch. This is you're up again for number three. Yeah, sure. And uh, this is this is a combo that you don't necessarily have to um, talk with too much. Because it's it's a two person archetype, uh, but hopefully you're just within their orbit at some point during the night. It's always the loudest male friend or the loudest um, male groomsman uh, of of the groom, obviously. And then an uncle, on, on it can be either side, but like an uncle who's older and he's just like the most ready to blow some steam off. And and th- these people have never met, so they're strangers, but they're both just absorbing whatever drinks that they're drinking. I mean, it's just like, where did it go? It's like they can just pour it on their body and just, and they just absorb it, and they just, boom, they're just, they're, they're, they're getting, they're getting ripped up quick. And these two men, they, they never, they never drink beer, and then the other drinks liquor. It's always they both drink beer or they both drink mixed drinks, <laughs> but they don't wine or champagne. And they see each other at the bar throughout the night. They quickly find out they have similar dance moves. They both were like that guy in high school, I think. And and they see either a rival or a best friend in each other. And at least once throughout the night, a hand is going to go on a shoulder. It might happen multiple times. Um, during Sweet Caroline, they might they might lock the shoulders and do some leg <laughs> kicking, kind of a can-can thing. And, and they'll do it for like 20 seconds, which is pretty daring, I feel like, you know, for two guys to be doing the can-can together for 20 seconds. But then in unison, the ba-ba-ba. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and and like they're having dance contests that they don't realize they're having, but they subconsciously won't allow anyone else to like do it w- with them. You know, it's like they're kind of in their own little uh, orbit and world. Um, and, and, and you just kind of, you just get to kind of just be on the outside and just kind of, uh, maybe jump in there and, and, you know, talk to them a little bit, uh, or maybe you get to hear them both order their drinks at the bar where they do like a, you know, like a click sound and maybe they try and wink a little bit. Um, at one wedding they went to recently, I got to hear a conversation between these, these two gentlemen in the bathroom 
And uh, one was from another country, was from the UK. And so he, he had a drunken British accent. And I couldn't understand a word he said. And the other gentleman was an Australian. And so then that was like the drunk Australian accent to the moon. And I couldn't help but laugh to myself in the bathroom. They both looked at me. And they had been done going to the bathroom for five or ten minutes and just standing at the sink together. (laughs) (laughs) And I was the asshole for laughing, being like, guys, can I wash my hands here? Um, So, and uh, and, and their last moment is always back at the hotel and they see each other in the hallway getting ice for one last um, nightcap. And they share like a weird, awkward bro shake or hug. And then they never speak to or see each other or contemplate each other ever again. Wow. And that's it. That's uh, there's a certain poetic beauty in that. Absolutely, uh, <laughs> absolutely. It's a, it's a, a microcosm of all human relationships. Really. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I'm very, I'm very touched. Yeah, and, and and like, and just imagine, what if out of all those, all those non-nuclear like father like son situations, what if like just five percent of those people actually kept in touch and became friends? You know, imagine how many more strong bonds would would be, uh, you know, present in this world. So. Do we want these people to find each other in the real world and congregate? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's bad enough when they're actually related and they they stay together for their entire <laughs> life in, in some way. Yeah, perhaps not. Yeah, you know, perhaps perhaps you're right. Perhaps a combination like that would, you know, could 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 bring down governments pretty quickly, um, or, or or just families and relationships. So. All right. Well, uh, by making me reflect on uh, just the very nature of every single acquaintance I have, uh, I'm going to I'm going to give you uh, two points, Mitch. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Brian, your number three, please. My number three is the bridesmaid you want but need to avoid. She's the one, it's like when you're single, you're at a friend's wedding, you're in a different kind of mindset, there's no family around, you've been invited, you're like, kind of got the groove, I'm going to be a little bit excited, and you're like, but you know it's a bad idea. One, you know it's never going to happen. Two, it's, it's, it's a terrible idea. She, she's attractive, but you know one night stands aren't healthy, and then you're like, um, you start talking to yourself, and you're like, well, what if she, what if it becomes something like after the wedding, even though she doesn't even live in state? You start going through this this reptilian versus mammalian thing in your brain, you're like, what do I do? What do I do? And you don't end up doing anything. This is all in your head the entire night. It doesn't even come up to a dance in most cases. <laughs> you're just like, this is like the person that you... You want to meet them, but you probably shouldn't meet them because it'll lead to bad decisions after you've been on the dance floor drinking a couple uh, seven and sevens, the the go-to wedding drink for a while there. And um, mm. Brian so, likes it sweet, everyone. I do. I, I, I do. I, I think I think we should make that make make that. And clear, the so. the main thing that rises to the surface is that you're, you're forcing yourself into a stereotype. You got to be the guy that has got to go after a bridesmaid. And you're like, I'm better than that. Don't do this. <laughs> Just have a good time. You're here for friends. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> Again, yeah, most of this is constantly always happening in your head. So, Brian, I, I have a question. Go for it. It sounds like this bridesmaid was perhaps important to the bride. Is, is, is that why this felt off limits to you? This is more of an amalgam of, of this, of what I project okay. other people doing at a wedding versus my own experiences. I've Got never it. been in the actual situation where it's like, Oh man, I'm going to ruin everybody's life. If I <laughs> 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 there's, there's an interesting dynamic, which you haven't mentioned, which is <clears throat> say, uh, say, you know, one person of the couple that's getting married, you're, you're just there for them and you've only met their significant other once or twice. Uh, bridesmaid or groomsman eligibility as a potential romantic fling changes very drastically on if they are a friend of the person you're friends with or the friend of a total stranger. Absolutely. How do you approach that? That's that's two very very different tricky dynamics. You've got to got to walk a fine line there. And I think the thing that's the one I leaned on the most as being my most important reason for why this is a poignant answer is just making it reflect on yourself by not becoming that stereotype is, is an important thing to, to reflect on. So can I just jump in here and make, um, make a thing? 
so that one time when we went to that wedding together, Brian, as uh, videographers. While I was going over this list, I had this conversation <laughs> with my girlfriend today. So please, I I was really hoping this would come up. <laughs> please continue. So yeah, we, we were we were videographers, and um, the the bride and groom were like, "When you're done, just come and hang out with us. Enjoy just the wedding." Also, remember we were videographers. Yep. At my ex boss's cousin's wedding where we weren't getting paid. We were right. only there to eat for free and drink. Yeah. That was our only payment for the night. That, that, that shows, um, the strength of our, of, of our, um, of our financials at the time. So, I mean, um, <laughs> just a couple of college boys that love, uh, love slinging apertures and rolling audio. That's all we wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I remember the, the the food wasn't great, uh, but no. the bar was open, um, and uh, so I was dancing with a young lady, and we hit it off, and we were dance, dance, dance. We did more dance, dance, dance. Comes the end of the night, and she's like, "Oh, we should we should keep hanging out." And I'm thinking, "Great, this is awesome." And so I, I don't remember if we went straight to her hotel or exactly what happened, or if there was an after party spot first. But Brian. He basically tells me, like, good luck. And I say, well, good luck to you. I'm about to have a great time. <laughs> full of full of confidence, wind just dripping all over my sails. And um, and we get to the hotel where she's staying, and, uh, and, and we get out of the cab. And she says, well, my mom is sleeping in there, so I'm going to turn in. You have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> and gave me a hug and I think, like, a peck on the cheek, which, like, you know – I was just a guy who was standing on the peripheral taking photos of people or telling other people who's the best person to, to take photos of. So it's not like I was, you know, she didn't know me. I was just a random person there who showed up for free food and drink. So like <laughs> probably a good decision on her part. But to piggyback um, off what Nathan said, you were in the prime position where you were never going to hurt anyone's feelings on the bride or groom side. Exactly. But, but the more exactly. important part of the story is that you you are not a driver in Chicago. You do not have a car. That's true. Yeah. We met up somewhere prior so I could give you a lift to this wedding because you come out to the suburbs on a train. Mm-hmm. You left your keys in said suburb. So afterwards, That's you right. got rejected from this lady. This poor lady kicked you out of this hotel room because her mom was sleeping. Oh, no, 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 no. I never got to the room. It was it was out front. It was before I got into the lobby. She kicks you, you out. You didn't get into the lobby. Not even into the lobby. She kicks yeah. you out of wow. the cab. And then some, I remember getting a phone call at 3 a.m. to come find you, to let you in, to get your keys somewhere so that you could then take a train home and go home. Yep. Wait, you you got out of the cab and then she went into the hotel without you? Yep. She didn't. She didn't just say like, "All right, well, you should take this cab and continue on." <laughs> she made you find another. Oh boy, you know oh. th- that's. I you know. Uh, I mean, great joke on her part. I mean, she got me good. She got me good. You know, and I don't. So, so I don't have any ill will because, like, when a good when a good joke is laid down, you know, you, you can't you can't mess with that. So, um, yeah. I'm so happy wow. that the story has come to surface. <laughs> It's one yeah. of my favorite memories. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Brian, I mean, there's a lot going for you here that you got, you milked this great story out of Mitch and, uh, you know, you made some, made some very start, uh, points about, uh, the wisdom you should take, uh, when you approach mm-hmm. heading into a wedding, some maturity, but also you referred to, uh, guys that, uh, go after, uh, bridesmaids as assholes. And I take a personal affront to that. So I'm going to award you the minimum of one point. <laughs> I was on my way to three points. <laughs> I worked so hard for those points. I deserve it. You need to leave judgment at the door when, when you go to a wedding. You know, it's everyone's true. there to to, to be who they're going to be that night. You know, but I'm a I'm a good boy. I'm a good boy. <laughs> anyway, right, that's my um, number three. We already did uh, Mitch's number two during the Uber stare down. So Brian, please reveal your number two. My number two is uh, the bro at the wedding that tries to make you feel small, but inadvertently gives you confidence. This is the guy who 
he's not at your table, but he's the guy that kind of comes by your table. He's got a drink in hand, ties a little loose. Who are you? Who are you? Before you can answer who you are, he's already rattling off what his accomplishments are. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm here because of this. He either owns a car dealership or a fast food franchise, something like that. There's nothing wrong with that. You just don't need to brag about it at somebody else's day. There's no need for this. And he's the guy who comes over. He's like, yeah, I'm here to try to impress, blah, blah, blah. He's a schmoozer. He's a salesman of some kind. But uh, he grills you on what your accomplishments are. And it just it gives you the opportunity to lie. So you either just go for it, tell him what you actually do, or you're just like, oh, man, you, you got it made. You don't want to hear my story. And that just kind of gives you the self-confidence to be like, I'm better than him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to show off. This is another story of maturity. Like, I don't need to. I don't need this anymore. I'm not going to one up this guy. I'd rather go have fun with the fun Russian. I don't need this guy. (laughs) (laughs) So it gives you the opportunity to lie. Have you ever experimented with some just really let your imagination run wild on, on one of these uh, people when you find them in the wild and and see what great stories of uh, tales of daring do you can come up with about yourself? I think it was at the wedding that Mitch and I were just talking about where we kind of got to put in our own skins where we didn't know anybody at this wedding. I think I remember having a couple of conversations or probably one where I threw on an accent for no reason. And then another conversation where I was like, I'm, like, I'm not going to be here again. So let's make the most out of this. And this guy comes up and I'm just like, no, no oh, you own one of those places. I, I worked at a Wendy's. That's amazing. We got so much in common. <laughs> I, I, I love the idea of, uh, of, just jumping on board with this guy and like uh, just like agreeing with everything he says about how amazing it is and just pushing it to the point. Just like, is he ever going to realize I'm making fun of him? Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. And then and at the end, you're just like, he walks away and you, you got a, you got an extra inch taller, my friend. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> this, this reminds me of freshman year of college uh, when I watched wedding crashers like two to three times a week. And I just kept thinking <laughs> to myself, I just need to get up the courage get on the train, go to downtown Chicago and just go into every big hotel ballroom on the weekends and just try, just melt into the background, you know? Um, never got the courage, but I, you know, one day, one day, maybe that's a great bachelor party idea. You just go and crash a wedding. That is a great bachelor party idea. That's a movie. Oh my not, God. And not just, not just one wedding, like a whole weekend worth of weddings. <laughs> And you know what you call that? You should make it a movie and call it Bachelor Party because that's never been done. Oh, my God. You're right. <laughs> bachelor Party Crashers just confuse the hell out of everybody. People think it's a mashup <laughs> sequel. <laughs> well, I, I think I think we've all met this guy at every wedding. And, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's – Brian, you, you touched on many ways to approach it. Uh, all of them rewarding in their own way. Uh, so f- – I'm going to go ahead and award you the maximum three points. Yeah, three points. Finally. My suck favorite suck moment, on that, Mitchell. I, I I will not suck on it because I also have been getting three pointers. So thank you very much. But <laughs> I Come on. I feel like Steve Kerr right now. I finally got one. Please just let me have this. <laughs> well, it's funny because earlier when you talked about having someone else take the pressure off, it sounds like you're, you're fit for, yeah, for like a Pippin or a Kerr role um, where, you know, I'm just I'm just doing those those fadeaway jumpers at the wedding all night. You know, I'm just I, I'm I'm putting, I'm as putting Nathan, the load as, on my back. As Nathan, had, I don't know. I, I think I think Michael Jordan would have at least gotten into the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> or as Nathan well. Hennepin always says, there's nothing wrong with being Ronnie Wood. <laughs> nope, nothing wrong. All right, that was my number two. What's next? Okay, on this? well, we are on to number one. That is all that we were waiting for. And Mitch Brinkman, you are up. Let us pray. Head, heads, uh, heads down, please, in a, in a bow. Um, <laughs> for this last one, I, I pray that all the um, all, all all you listener out there, um, or listeners, but probably listener, <laughs> that you get to experience one of these once or a couple times in your life at a wedding. And I call this the fawning follower. Now this is a person who's a you know a, a bridesmaid or a groomsman based on you know uh, what uh, what what uh, side of the aisle you're on, um, and they need a, st- a star to hitch their wagon to kind of thing. So in my situation normally it's like you're coming in from out of town somewhere, so you're kind of the alien in the situation, and they're a friend but not the best friend of probably your cousin who's getting married, 
And so they feel they feel a little bit out of the, the social circle because perhaps it's made up of like high school friends and they're like a college friend or however the, the, the dynamic may change. Maybe they're high school and, you know, everyone else is college friends or something. And, uh, and you just come in loose. Cause you're like, you know, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a wild card here. I've, you know, I'm, I'm the X man here, if you will. And you say something off the bat and they're just like, Oh, this guy, what, who are, wait, let me be, who are you? What's your name? And they, you're just like, uh, <laughs> I'm Derek. What's up? Hi. Good to meet you. And they're like, what? Is, you are hilarious. And then you're like, oh, this is cool. I feel good about myself. I've got a friend. And then, and then, uh, then they ask like, Hey, who wants to like, who wants a beer? And you're like, if you got moose head, I'll, I'll take one of those in all seriousness. And they just like, think that's hilarious. They're like you, what? You didn't just say, but like you said a different beer, this guy. And you're like, oh no. Okay. Oh, mm. And then you're like, uh, and then, but then everything you say all of a sudden is the most hilarious thing. It's the most different thing possible. And then it gets annoying. And then you're like, okay, thanks. Um, we'll call him Tony. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate, you know, and then you, you try and lose Tony, but Tony will, whenever he sees you, then he yells out your name, either, you know, across the chapel or the reception hall, or he'll come up to you when you're talking to someone else and, and like put his arm around you and be like, this isn't this guy hilarious. And then they're like, you know that guy are you actually friends and you're like i just met him please i just met him but then time goes on <laughs> weddings happen the reception starts it, it rolls on champagne is slugged and then having someone yell your name and sure you want to dance floor is kind of nice and then it's like it feeds into your ego a little bit and then you're like am i too shallow to do this but then you're like yeah i'm i'm the alien here i'm the out-of-town guy this is my this is my time Tonight is, is, is tonight and tonight is all we have. So let's, <laughs> let's go for it. Let's shoot for the stars and land amongst the bridesmaids, you know? So um, <laughs> I, I think in my experience, this, uh, the fawning follower that they'll, they'll move, they'll, they'll focus on you for a little while and then they'll move on to somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. And then their grand plan at the end of the night is they want everybody to come out to like the late night bar for the after party. That's, that's the, that's the long con they're trying to play. They're trying to keep everybody out till four in the morning. Mm -hmm. So then after the, the bride and groom and the family members are all gone, they become, they have now become the center of this social event. They're actually mm -hmm. scouts or recruiters. <laughs> they're not really guests. <laughs> <laughs> In, in my situation, it was uh, all the groomsmen were like accountants and bankers and stuff. So they just like when they'd sit around, they'd be like, hey, so like, did you see the twins game? And they're like, yeah, cool. Yeah, man. they, Yeah, they won. They did win. <laughs> oh, so then, you know, when, when you're coming in with a little different flavor, just anything, anything tastes good to them. So and, and I got and I got greedy right away. You know, I got a big head off the bat, which wasn't smart. It wasn't good. Um, and it ended up at the end of the night, my cousin was. I was standing in a circle smoking, which I, I always smoke at weddings. I shouldn't, I'm not a smoker, but I get, I get to that point where I'm like, a cigarette sounds good. And but then you say it now and you're like, Oh, gross. But at the end of the night, my cousin and this guy and the grooms were just, it was like a circle of spitting. They were just spitting into the circle oh, on the ground. Cause everyone was so drunk and smoking and didn't give a shit. So sometimes it doesn't lead to the, you know, sometimes it, it can come back to, to bite you in the butt a little bit. Um, but if you've never spit with a group of men onto the ground, it's like cathartic at first. Like it feels freeing to be honest. <laughs> That's I can, I can picture, I can picture the caveman groom coming in and out spitting all the rest of them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Nathan. Yeah. Well, that was, that, that was, was my softball for you. So yeah, <laughs> let, let me tie that, tie that into a previous, that's what in the industry they call a callback. And, uh, yeah, for letting me have a nice callback, I'm going to award you the full three points for round five. Three yes. points. I told you I was a people pleaser, so here I am <laughs> pleasing people. All right, uh, Brian, it's over to you for your number one, your number one archetype you want to interact with at a wedding. The couple assigned to your table that gets your twisted sense of humor. Uh, especially if you're at a non-family wedding, you don't know necessarily who's going to be at your table. There's nothing worse than having a boring table. You're stuck with these people through the, the worst part of the wedding. Everybody coming, the, the procession of people coming in. 
the initial Awful. the initial dances. Like it's nice Terrible. and sweet for the family, but it's like for you, it's like I don't want any part of this. Let's get to the fun part where I can go get whatever I want. The food's nice, but like I want a drink, I want this. You gotta have good camaraderie with all the people that are sitting around you. And if you don't have that, what's the point? So you're building up rapport with them. Not only are you hoping that especially if they're not friends of the family as well. You can start making fun of some of the people that you're seeing, some some people watching, some visual stuff that you're seeing. It'd be great. Plus, you can be able to trust these people. You're going to be leaving your jacket at the table. You're going to be leaving probably other things on. Make sure you got some people looking after you while you're out there getting a little rowdy on the dance floor a little bit later. You got to build this trust up. I didn't even think about that aspect, but you're totally right. And, yeah. Right? And yeah. at, at a wedding where, where there's a lot of strangers, you know, there's not a giant family. That could absolutely be a problem. I didn't even think about that. Horrible. Is there is there a better feeling in the world than like you you don't even think about it? You've had one too many uh, uh, Moscow mules, and you're like heading towards maybe the Uber or or, or the you know the the elevator where wherever it takes you next to in the night, and then uh, um, you know Carl from uh, Table Forty Two just kind of sidles up to you real quietly and hands you a jacket like, "Hey, buddy, you forgot this," and then he just disappears into the night, and you're like, "Oh man, that's that guy. That is the mensch. That guy." Oh. Yeah, Nick. Carl. He worked in uh, marketing or plastics. I I don't remember, but Carl. Yeah, wow. And then, oh, he left his card in my jacket pocket. <laughs> that was so smooth. <laughs> Man, I want to give Carl a call. He might be one of the relationships that I actually keep after this wedding. <laughs> Thank you, smooth Carl. Wow. And his and his yeah. and his wife Jean, who's just just real nice. She's just there and she's the one snickering. Like if, after you said something really weird under your breath, she's like, Oh my God, I can't believe you said that. And you're like, that's nice. Okay. I'm, it's, I'm in. It's always, it's always so much more rewarding in that situation when they're like 10 to 15 years older than you. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. Yes. And you feel like you've been welcomed in to the, the circle of trust. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Who are you again? Oh, you, you can, you can, we got to remember him. He's, he's good. He's good. Also, it's 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 a great feeling when, knowing that uh, your friends who are getting married sat you with the the good people. That's a great Cause, point because they had they had the pick of literally they could have sat you next to their cousin with one tooth. They could have <sighs> sat you next to you know the the uh, divorced cougar who's just going to stop at nothing. To you know, it's <laughs> yeah. When they it's could have cho- done all, they could have done any of that, but they put you next to Carl and Gene. When it's a, yeah. yeah, when you could have, when they had the choice between the woodchuck and the cougar, and they put you with Gene and Carl, we're in good shape. <laughs> all right. Well, that was I, that. That really that really warmed my heart, Brian. So I'm going to award you the maximum three points for that answer. I appreciate was, it. Thank you, sir. Yeah. And uh, just before before I tally up the final scores here, there are a couple uh, that we we didn't hit on that I thought you might have gone for. Um, that's the the over prayer, uh, you know, oh. the when, you know, some an elderly, usually male relative has been assigned to say grace beforehand. And uh, it just uh, it's a good point. We, we, we stuck pretty on. much on reception. We, we kind of stayed away yeah. from the ceremony there. But, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, then there's the the crying best man or maid of honor speech mm. that, again, goes on mm. and on and on. And then uh, my, my, these are all negative ones, but uh, my favorite, which I've never seen in person, but I, God willing, I will one day, is the couple who gets engaged at the reception. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything worse? I've seen, I've seen some videos on YouTube of the, the, the faces of everybody else involved. It's just, it's the most priceless thing. It's not your day. <laughs> <laughs> the sheer audacity. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, so I can reveal at the end of five rounds, our winner by a score of 12 points to 11 is Mitch Brinkman. Oh, baby. Ooh. Oh, I Eaked would, it out. He I, caught the garter. He caught the bouquet. Uh, well done. Deserved. Well deserved. Congratulations. I would sing a top 40 classic right now, but that would mean uh, we'd have to pay for it. So I'm going to skip and just say thank you very much. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to wear this garter all the way home. Thank you. <laughs> right. All right. Well, uh, that means all that is left is for me to reveal my fast five, the top five tables of all time. Are you guys ready? So ready. Ready. All so right. ready. The top five tables of all time. Number five, King Arthur's round table. According to legend, King Arthur's famous table was constructed in a circle, so there would be no head of table. None of his knights, lords, or noblemen were willing to sit lower than anyone else. It was a shrewd political move. He kept his underlings happy, but no one was fooled at who wielded the real power. They didn't call that shit Sir Galahad's table, did they? Well played, Artorus. (laughs) (laughs) 
Number four, the periodic table. This handy visual display of the chemical elements is organized by atomic number, electron configuration, and chemical properties. It provides a window into future revelations about the nature of the universe. It's also very popular on novelty t-shirts. What better way to show the world that in this uncertain time you value science, reason, and logic over superstition, emotion, and gut feelings? It's also a great indicator that you won't be fun to talk to at parties. (laughs) (laughs) Number three, the card table. This lightweight, foldable table is usually found in your grandmother's garage or in the basement, shoved behind the deep freeze. It makes its way to the living room on Thanksgiving Day where it serves as the kids' table. Years go by and you can't wait to graduate to the big oak dining room adult table, but uh, after a few years of discussing mortgage rates, politics, and the latest flare-up of Aunt Susan's gout, you'll be taking your pumpkin pie straight back to old wobbly legs. <laughs> now, uh, B- Brian, I, I don't know if you've had, had the had the elation of being asked to move up from the card table to the big table, but it's a big moment. It really is. Um, it's uh, I, I know, again, larger families, more cousins, but... It's a it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I can more relate to discovering the card table in the basement, but I know exactly <laughs> where that is. <laughs> uh, number two, the roulette table. Okay, let's see. Uh, thirty three. That was my basketball number in high school. Um, my niece's birthdays, and uh, oh, we're we're due for a zero, surely. Um, haven't hit red in uh, eight spins, so rest on red. Okay, come on, baby. Old Uncle Nathan's three months behind in rent. Come on. Come on. Oh, oh it, it, it bounced out. Oh, oh shit. And finally. <laughs> <laughs> finally, the greatest table of all time, the coffee table. There is no more versatile piece of furniture in the home than your trusty coffee table. It's a dinner table on movie night, a workspace when you're working from home, a footrest after a long day, and it's sturdy enough to provide structural support for sexual positions that simply cannot be confined to the couch. Yes, the coffee table does it all. Unless it's on wheels. (laughs) 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 And Uncle Nathan has to go to the chiropractor. (laughs) I did not think about that. (laughs) <laughs> we, we we couldn't afford wheels in my home growing up. <laughs> and Lord knows I still can't. They don't roll well on a dirt floor, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and that is this week's edition of Uber Cinco. From the urine-stained shadows of Wrigley Field has been... Mitch Brinkman. And from the home of one of the world's largest laundromats, Berwyn, Illinois, has been... Brian Ernst. And I've been Nathan Henenfent. And as Bisbear always says... May death come quickly to your enemies. Alvita Zane and adios. You've just listened to Uber Cinco, a production of UBK Studios. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcasts from. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash UBK Studios. Every little bit helps us keep the lights on and the bill collectors at bay. Keep tabs on us on all the social media at UBK Studios, and most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see that we really are just a bunch of good Midwestern boys. Yeah.